is Ellie Pritz, physical and digital artist and curator at Bright Moments Gallery. You're listening to The Edge of NFT, and that means you've got the inside scoop in art and NFTs. Enjoy. Hey to all the NFT curious folks out there. Check out today's episode to discover what a crypto Venetian is and how you can get one. And learn what advice today's guest, Ellie Pritz, has so artists can kill it with their NFTs. And find out what's next in the never-ending GameStop saga. All this and more on this episode of Edge of NFT. Stay tuned and also make sure to head to edgeofnft.com to join our newsletter for the latest news and giveaways. Hey guys, we're here at Bright Moments in Venice, California for our monthly podcast. Honored to be here with Ellie Pritz, who will be at Bright Moments in Venice, uh, California for a show on Thursday the 29th. I'm also here with Seth Goldstein, the founder of Bright Moments, to get a quick update on what's been going on with all these crypto Venetians. I don't know. They're, they're like all over the place. Well, there's, there's only 374 of them currently. There will be a thousand by the end of the minting run, which will be sometime mid to late August. We are totally booked for reservations for live IRL minting sessions here in the gallery. And we have a waiting list of more than 150 people. It's really the only, as far as we're aware of, the only free live IRL NFT minting experience in the world. We do it on art blocks. So there's a lot of built-in demand for art blocks projects. These are generative art pieces. You don't know which crypto Venetian you're going to get. There's more than 200,000 different possibilities. Um, so it's exciting. It's social. We do it here um, in the afternoon every day and people choose their walk-on song and you come out and it's kind of like a crypto gender reveal. You meet your crypto Venetian, your avatar to the universe. Uh, we're having most importantly, a lot of fun with it. It's great to have Ellie here curating a show that includes her own work and other people's work. And we're having a panel beforehand with Foundation and um, everything's connected. You know, Ellie was introduced to us via Justin Beretta uh, from Glitch Mob, who had his show here last night with Spirit Bomb uh, and Strange Loop. It was a great show last night. Everybody has your crypto Venetian. We're just having a lot of fun here. Yeah, there's, there's a great sense of community. We brought Arabian Prince by the other day. And I got to say, it's like this AI knows us more than we know ourselves. His had like the Dodgers, I love LA surfboard. And he loved that. We posted that on Instagram. And then his friend, she has naturally curly black hair, but her Venetian um, knew that even though her hair when she came in was straight. And it's like, Venetian knows your true identity more than you know yourself. It's pretty wild. And um, Ellie will talk a little bit about her experience on the show as well. But I got to say, there was a connection there. There was a connection. And, um, you know, I think we're trying to find a balance here between being an art gallery and a collectible store of the future. And uh, I think what we did uh, last night with the show with some of the Spirit Bomb pieces, they looked like science fiction trading cards. I think having a gallery where we're also minting collectibles for people to then use to get special access to the gallery. If you hold a crypto Venetian, you may get a special NFT poster drop from you know, Ellie and some of her artists. So we're trying to create a sense of belonging and a sense of premium rewards by virtue of holding on to these tokens or NFTs. Well, Ethan had so much FOMO that he actually booked a flight from Chicago 
like maybe to see me but and, and to meet Ellie, but I really think it was all about having his own crypto Venetian. I think that's the real deal. That's not Ethan. It's all about the crypto Venetian. We're not going to let you down. Yeah, yeah. I'm on my way. Excellent. Don't. We'll make sure the algorithm is properly tuned to know exactly who you are and hopefully we'll give you the attributes you're looking okay, for. Okay, excellent. And hopefully I'll become, I'll be some sort of a dolphin or something. I don't know. Dolphin with a... Well, I'll pop out as something you've never would have expected. Dolphin <laughs> with a nice hairdo. We'll see. Well, thanks, Seth, for joining us as always. Look forward to our next update next month. Great. You're always welcome here. Seth, good to see you, man. Love what you're doing. Likewise. Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's episode features guest Ellie Pritz, a renowned creative, widely known for her kaleidoscopic artwork, who is curating the Electric Psychedelia NFT show at Bright Moments Gallery in Venice, California on July 29th. Ellie was named one of Time's top photographers to follow, and her work has been featured by the likes of Nylon, Pitchfork, Wired, and more. Professionally, she is recognized for her role in launching and art directing the Apple Instagram account, as well as co-founding the film editing collective Racer Trash. Hey, Ellie, it's great Hi. to see you here. So glad to, to be here with you in our second show at, at Bright Moments Gallery. We love coming over here, you know, being one of the first IRL galleries in the world. And um, it's special to have you here on this show. Now, the real question is, did you get your crypto Venetian yet? I did. I just got my crypto Venetian. What was that, that like? A, that was a bit, of a, that was a bit of a planted question, Josh. Yeah, right. we, <laughs> we were all aware of this. <laughs> <laughs> we got to hear about it, though. Tell yeah, us about Let's hear about it. She just got it. Honestly, it was really, really cool. It was such a, it was a very magical experience. Seth made it extra magical for me. I had a lot walk-on song. What was that song? It was called Fancy by Amare. And then, yeah, I closed my eyes. I didn't peek. And then, yeah, there was this perfect crypto Venetian that honestly, I feel like it just looks like me. <laughs> and so now I have to, I have to cosplay as my Venetian for my show next week. There you go. Ooh, nice idea. Perfect. I think the goal of that experience is so that people treasure their Venetian. They're not as inclined to sell it, that it holds more value, right? Yeah. yeah. It came out of the uh, Bright Moments gallery womb, and, and now it's yours forever. Yeah. Wait, but tell us about the Venetian, though. Like, what are the attributes? What did you get? Okay, so she kind of looks like, you know, Daria's best friend, the, like, kind of goth girl with the short, but I'm blanking on her name. But anyway, she's like, white she's wearing a black tube top and black pants very monochromatic and a really cool yellow hat and a surfboard nice and how awesome. does that so by the way is it is gender uh, like a that you get to pick or could a female get a male a male i don't think so i'm projecting a gender onto onto my group oh, okay and i right, think it's right. pretty androgynous it's pretty neutral okay i see myself <laughs> <laughs> let's compare it with josh's by the way so josh how is yours different well, okay, so mine has a hat on and it looks like not a lot of hair going on. So I, I feel like 
the hair isn't hidden. It definitely is bald like me. So I feel, <laughs> I feel that connection. Wears the same color pants or shorts. I, I have green shorts. I like green a lot. I wear a lot of green. So I know what you mean. Like it's, yeah. it's a special thing. And you know, my girlfriend's been trying to rearrange her work schedule to come get her crypto Venetian. <laughs> and she was like, you know, I could take a day off. It's, it's getting serious. Yeah, no, she should. <laughs> I'm hosed. I'm all the way over here in Florida, man. I'm not going to be out there. I can't get a proxy to do it. Nobody's going to give up their own Venetian for me, you know? No, I've given up some cash to uh, American Airlines so that I can get out there so uh, and get my crypto Venetian. And we'll be doing a bit of couch surfing in order to pull this off. So <laughs> in addition to participating in to some edge of NFT activities in the Los Angeles area. The real question is going to be, does Ethan's Venetian look more like him or his doppelganger on this season of The Bachelor? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So I want to move on here and, and get to know Ellie a little bit more and, and what she's up to. She's curated one of the most anticipated shows that Bright Moment will be hosting in its young history. Um, as we've mentioned, it's called Electric Psychedelia. Ellie, tell us all about it, how you curated it, the artists in, involved. Give us the goods. Yeah, I'm very excited about the show. The idea came to me right when things were starting to open up again. And I saw an opportunity to do an in-person NFT show. I tweeted about it. The tweet went mildly viral and I got connected to Seth and the team at Bright Moments through Justin Beretta. And from there, yeah, I mean, I just honestly, basically, I had spent so much of quarantine, not only working on art, but becoming part of the NFT community and being blown away by the art of these artists all over the world. And all I wanted to do was curate like my dream show. And that's exactly what I did. So the theme of the show is obviously kind of trippy artwork, but really just artwork that challenges viewers to change their perception of reality and accept alternate perceptions of reality. So the artwork is is pretty diverse in terms of like subject matter and style, but I think all of it is very surreal and very interesting. And you just mentioned this as a follow-up, you know, kind of getting integrated with the NFT community. And I'm sure that could go very broad, that could go very narrow. So just as a follow-up, like what does the NFT community sort of mean to you or kind of what what do you feel is your little niche in there and how broad do you think you've gone and things like this? It is tremendously broad and I feel that my place in it is pretty niche. But for me, what it means is it's just a new community that the people and creatives that honestly, I, I don't think I would have otherwise have met virtually or otherwise. And I feel like in general, it, it signifies a renaissance of art and artists in this new kind of digital metaverse. And it's very exciting to me. That reminds me of what Josh was saying that there was maybe, I think it was at Bright Moments, there was some sort of a, I think I'm allowed to share this, like an event that had to do with the Board Ape Yacht Club, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting. I didn't get the memo because I don't have a, a Board Ape. Well, you literally, you said you literally asked, you know, you asked Zach, you said, how come I didn't hear about this? And he's like, well, you don't have a board ape, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the gist. So that was a couple of days ago and it was a, a big impromptu party. And apparently there's a lot of Angelinos that 
that have their board apes or several. In fact, we heard on the our last show with the chairman of Animoca all the way in Hong Kong, he has a board ape as wow. well, or a couple of them. And there's another big board ape party coming up on in a couple, I guess it's actually on the 31st. So folks may hear the show and, and want to show up for that party as well. And you know, it's just really cool to see this combination of DigiFizzy coming together and how this gallery has really been hosting such a, a unique diversity of the NFT community. Yeah. And I'd love to know, in terms of the curation process for the show, like, like how did that evolve? Was has that different from your normal work curating projects and choosing the artwork and, you know, entire process? Like, what was that like? How was that different? I found it a lot less restrictive because the works are digital and we have screens and I'm going to have a projector set up. I was able to feature more art than if I was just featuring physical work, there's limited amount of space. Whereas with digital, I had more space to include more artists. And even with what I have, I still like, there's a lot more people that I would want to be part of this, but I had to cut it off at some point, but I found the experience to be really, really fun. I really enjoyed curating. Tell us a little bit about the artists that you selected. There's a lot. I'm not going to be able to name all of them, but one that I'm really excited about is Holly Herndon, who is a multidisciplinary artist, kind of like myself. And her work is really incredible. I was not sure if she was going to say yes to being in my show because she's kind of a big deal and we don't have a direct connection, but she said yes. And she's really excited. Kind of similar story with Jen Stark. Jen Stark is an incredible artist that lots of people know, really did a lot of great, has been doing amazing physical art and then created some NFTs as well. And I love them. And she said, yes, I'm very excited about that. And then I have people that I'm friends with, like online, who I'm, I'm really excited to have in the show, like Andrew Benson, Zach Lieberman. I'm very excited about him being on the show. There's just, there's a lot. Sarah Zucker. Sarah Zucker is an incredible artist who's very influential, has been doing NFTs for longer than anyone else that I know. And she's going to be in the show too. I could go on, but I won't. Come to the show and find Come out. Come to the show, July 29th, Bright <laughs> yeah. Moments. That's awesome. And in fact, if you can't come to the show, I believe like other events, there'll be a live global auction, right? Mm -hmm. It starts about 24 hours before the show. So folks all over the world will be able to see this amazing group of artists that you curated yeah. and participate. And then the what's really special is they have the screen at the show's sort of the auction results in real time. And the artists that come will see who bid on their, their art and uh, know the results of the auction at the end of the show. Yeah. And you can also visit Bright Moments on that day and maybe after, and you can just see a live feed there of all the art that's being displayed, same time that it's being displayed on the screens here. So you can check it out virtually. Well, let's back up a minute, because I would love to know the history of your experience with NFTs. How did you first hear about NFTs and how has that influenced your work as an artist? Well, to answer your first question, I found out about NFTs last year, I want to say in this spring or summer, I was approached by a photographer who was kind of consulting with Foundation and helping them to build a community. This was before Foundation launched. And at that time, Foundation was going to be providing like physical merchandise sales. 
And the, the original thing was that I was going to make my first photo book and publish it and then sell it through foundation and the digital assets being sold on the site was like a side thing. And it was never fully explained to me in, initially. And I didn't understand what it was. And then later I got to talk to the founder of foundation and he was very excited about the NFTs, which I didn't even know what that's what it was. He explained it to me. I would say like 70% of it didn't make sense, which made me excited. And I knew that I wanted to learn more and I wanted to be a part of it. And that's exactly what I did. So I followed up later. They dropped selling physical things and they pivoted the product. And I reached out again and I was like, hey, I want to do the digital thing you're talking about. And so I did. And, and this now leads to the second question that you asked is how has this changed or affected my artwork and what I was doing? It's a huge impact because I was actually making video art for no one for years, just because I enjoyed it. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I never really had a place to put it. And I certainly didn't have a way to monetize it. So I had this backlog of things. And I remember like showing it to, I think Lindsay at foundation being like, is this a thing? Could I sell this thing? (laughs) And she was like, yeah, she looked at it and she gave me feedback. And I minted my first three NFTs and was part of that, that big launch. And like, I want to say January, February, and here I am. So cool. I mean, it seems like foundation holds a special place in your heart because they introduce you to NFTs. How do you sort of look at that platform compared to the other platforms that are out there? And how do you explain that platform to other artists? Yes, you're correct. Foundation is is very near and dear to my heart because the team there is incredible. And they've I've been in contact with them for, I guess, over a year now. And I love everything that they're doing. I love their product. So I I love using them and I really have only minted through them. And then Hicket Nunk was the only other platform I've used, which I also love a very different vibe, very different type of thing. And I use the two platforms differently. Usually if other artists come to me asking for advice about whether to use foundation or not, I will be honest with them about it. It's the same case, no matter where you are, you really have to be committed to it. If you're just getting started out, Community is a huge part of it and sharing your process is a huge part of it. And it's not as simple as just putting something up there and thinking that a bunch of people will come and be interested unless you're already really famous, which is great. Then you don't need my advice, but I do love foundation personally. That's cool. And you know, you've made it a thing. I saw it on your website and you're doing this generous giveaway with us around a consultation for folks to, to help other artists explore NFTs, get into that world I guess it'd be cool to understand sort of what's opened up for you from helping other artists and and why are you so passionate about getting other artists involved in NFTs? Well, I mean, in general, it's important to me to give back in any way that I can in multiple ways. I donate to causes that I care about, but my time and my expertise is another way that I can help people. I'm passionate about helping artists because I am an artist and I didn't really have a ton of help on my way to where I am. I didn't have any mentors. I learned a lot by doing things, making mistakes. And I would love to help other people maybe avoid some of those mistakes or skip some of those steps, climb that ladder a little bit more efficiently. I just get vicarious joy out of that. So that's kind of my my motivation there. And in terms of NFTs, If there's an artist that is interested in learning more about that, I'm always going to be open to consulting with them. 
you know, especially people from underrepresented communities, I really feel like there could, we could use more of that in everything, but especially in this world, the NFT world. You know, I, I'm very passionate about it because it's changed my life. That's great to hear. Besides the basics, right? Choose the platform that aligns with your art style, put in the work mm-hmm. to bring your community over to create a community. What are some of the top tips you have or mistakes to avoid that you want folks to know when they're getting into this? I mean, I'm still learning a lot myself, but, and I think different types of artists, there's going to be different answers. But from my experience, one thing, a lot of it transfers over from different mediums. And this is true for things I was doing prior, but especially with this opening people up into the process and story behind the artwork, I think is huge. Again, some artists, that's not their that's not their MO. And I think if you're more established, you don't really need to do that. But as you're getting started, telling the story of what it is that you're creating, showing people maybe even behind the scenes of your process is big. There's a sense of value there that you have to instill. And for people who don't know you, they don't have that yet. So you need to show them, this is my world. This is what I'm doing. This is why it has value. And I think that's a big Thing that not a lot of people do because people are very guarded about their process. Maybe they're embarrassed or they're shy about it. I totally understand it can be a very vulnerable thing, but just like generally, the more vulnerable you are, the more success you probably will see as an artist. That's cool. And I also think about like the physical effort and goes into some art. My girlfriend likes to use resin and, oh. and she has to do layers and layers of resin. It takes so much time and the whole house smells like resin <laughs> sometimes, but it's sort of the commitment she has to making resin paintings that really come off the canvas, so to speak. And I don't think I didn't appreciate until I saw her do that. What what a piece like that, what it goes into it. Exactly. That's exactly the same thought process. Like people don't, especially with digital art, you see the final product. And a lot of the times you have no idea what the person had to do to create that and It also inspires a sense of curiosity. It develops a sense of rapport between you and collectors, people who are interested in your technique. It's just good all around. Yeah. In terms of what it takes going into creating a piece of art, I think of the sort of famous Picasso story where he, you know, he he just makes a quick sketch on a napkin, right? And uh, I think maybe somebody offers to buy it or whatever. And he names like this, you know, ridiculous sounding price. And like, well, you just sketched that on a napkin. And he's like, well, yeah, I, the reason I could do this cool thing right now is because I spent all of these years practicing what I practice. And yeah, you're right. That is something that not only is very clandestine to the observer when they're consuming art, but there's actually can be some value that you don't realize in sharing that, you know, this process, what's what's behind the scenes. You mentioned kind of working with and advocating for underrepresented communities. You know, I know we're talking about communities like LGBTQ+. BIPOC, how do you feel either you can or you would like to help serve individuals from these type of communities? Generally, the sort of help that I give is usually in the form of general consult. People will come to me for things ranging from like creative direction to a second pair of eyes on a script to, I mean, literally it's totally across the board. That's why I say like general consulting, anything kind of in the creative world where my knowledge is going to be valuable. And for me, my knowledge is is really anything like marketing and creative related. 
sometimes if I have the bandwidth, I will also do pro bono, like actual services that I normally would charge for, which consulting is one of them, but like color grading or editing or photo editing, things like that. When I'm available, I'll do that too. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of want a psychedelic NFT for <laughs> edge of NFT. Like we have, we have a pretty cool bumper on our videos. Oh, yeah. I think you probably saw it, but I think we can do so much more with just the concept of edge of NFT. So we might have to sign up for one of your consultations. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're already kind of like in the, in the realm of some psychedelic stuff going on here, but yeah. uh, we're also already in the realm of having a consultation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. That's <laughs> actually the reason we want you on the show was to get some. Yeah. <laughs> no, but look, we'd, we'd love to, to learn a little bit more about you as well, personally, and kind of your thoughts on the world and how your mind thinks. Would you love to participate in some edge quick hitters? Yeah. Awesome. So basically, they're just uh, a fun, quick way to get to know you a little bit better. There's 10 questions looking for a short single word or few word answers. But if you feel the uh, desire to uh, indulge a little bit, then jump in. So let's start. Number one, what's the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? The first thing I ever remember purchasing was a Eurythmics tape from like a Sam Goody. Nice. Sam Goody. I haven't heard that name in such <laughs> a, a long throwback. Time. That's awesome. Love it. All right. Number two, what's the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Pokemon cards. Nice. Common Never. theme. Do you still hold on to some uh, Pokemon cards? You, oh, you yeah, I do. <laughs> the real question is, do you still have Pokemon Go app on your phone? Yeah, you I, do? I played today. <laughs> oh, That's wow. awesome. <laughs> See, true fan, true fan. Okay, number three, what is the most recent thing you purchased? Last night, I purchased a special carrying case for my rollerblades. What makes Mm. it special? It's rainbow, (laughs) limited edition. That sounds awesome. (laughs) That's very cool. You gotta treat your your rollerblades with special attention. Yes. All right, number four, what's the most recent thing you sold? An NFT. Tell us more about it. It was my first collab with the split feature on Foundation. And it was a really cool collaboration I did with an artist called Clara Volstead, who's actually, that piece is going to be in my show next week. And did you have like a goal in mind for how much to sell it for? Like what, what did it sell for? And like, just, I'm really curious how your experience is with sort of someone else valuing your art as an NFT. Yeah. I mean, it's been really interesting because I mean, it's still, all of this is still kind of new. Everything kind of exploded. I want to say like in February when the marketplaces really opened up and you started seeing a lot of traction there. So at that time, prices were were higher. And then as the market's gotten more saturated, things have kind of leveled out. So it's a bit of a guessing game, but basically myself and the other artist, Clara, we we like figured out what our individual floors were. And then I think we combined it. I don't even remember what the original price was, but it sold for 0.9 um, F. So we're happy. I think we would have loved to see it go to, to one or more, but I'm, I'm not complaining at all. Nine's a good number. Yeah. 0.9, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's very, yeah, no, it's, that's, that's very cool to hear. And uh, of course, residual value there as well, right? So mm-hmm. that's great. Okay, number five, what is your most prized possession? Besides the rainbow uh, carrying case. Besides my rainbow. <laughs> well, it <laughs> could, be, it could be the rollerblades that go inside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually would say my cello. Oh. Yeah. 
I love the cello. I always wanted, if I were going to play a string instrument, I, I always would have enjoyed the cello. There's definitely a correlation between yeah, the world of, uh, of music and NFTs, even beyond just the art world. So cool. Number six, if you could buy anything in the world, digital service, physical experience that's currently for sale, what would that be? I think this is a thing that's for sale, but I would love to go to outer space. If that's not for sale, then I would like to do like a deep sea dive experience, like all the way down and see sea creatures. <laughs> the, the, the deep, dark sea yeah, creatures like, you know, at the bottom. Like, oh man, that movie on Netflix about the octopus. That was so cool. Like the guy was hugging an octopus. I was like, that would be amazing. Yeah, or terrifying. I believe this was a story recently that they just figured out how to wash astronauts' clothes in space. Oh. And that sort of like begged the question of what did they do before, right? And apparently being an astronaut entailed wearing the same smelly clothes for like months on end and then basically ejecting them as, you know, toxic waste into the abyss of, of the vacuum space. Wow. <laughs> I know boys on Earth who live like that. <laughs> <laughs> Meant to be I astronauts. Think my my uh, junior year roommate lived like an astronaut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Moving on. Okay, number seven. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? Curiosity. Okay. I'm Along curious. With, uh... I'm curious. <laughs> what uh, <laughs> What do you think you're most curious about besides space and the uh, deep sea undiscovered? I'm most curious about God. I mean, everything. That's why I guess it's a personality trait. I'm curious about the universe and how everything came to be. Mm, yeah. Number eight, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Self-doubt. Self-confidence. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. A little bit easier. Question number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I sat in traffic for 45 minutes to get to Venice. And you got your crypto Venetian. And I got my oh, crypto yeah. Venetian, even better. Of course, of course, yes. <laughs> Amazing. And last one, number 10. What are you going to do after the podcast? I am going rollerblading. <laughs> I brought my rollerblades. Rock and roll. Cool. Well, thanks for playing with us, Edge Quick Hitters. I think that's it. We got some hot topics to, to jump into. What do you say? Yeah, let's hit it. Interesting stuff. First one, the chopping block, talking about GameStop stock, why NFTs could be big for the company. Man, GameStop has been all over the place the past year or two. In recent days, news that GameStop would enter the NFT arena gained traction among apes and Reddit traders. Wall Street memes discussed why this could be good news for the stock. News has surfaced that a GameStop NFT project was underway. Some investors and traders saw the development as a potential catalyst for the stock. Yeah, it's really been interesting with a stock like GameStop. I don't know why this comes to mind, but I think of Michael Saylor's company, MicroStrategy. Like, it's almost become more about the investment in crypto <laughs> than what the company has, is actually doing. And in terms of GameStop, I think what's interesting, I guess I don't follow it that closely, but you would think that the people running the company would be integrated into NFTs and crypto relatively easily just from the get, but that all of this is kind of like 
almost like subsuming them, right? Like the general public is coming in and saying, hey, this is part of what GameStop is going to be. And if you want to play along, go for it. It's wild. I think like GameStop has taken on a life of its own where it's not like a shell company per se, but it's molded by the Wall Street bets guys and everyone that's into it. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if GameStop owns an island full of NFT gaming competitions within a couple of years. Like, I mean, basically like the world has decided to care about GameStop and GameStop's just rolling with the punches. That's basically a DAO, right? <laughs> and it's just this direction the dang thing's yeah. going. Yeah, no, but you know, gaming though, like we talk about this a lot, like when you look at NFT use cases and blockchain use cases, which NFT really enables, like games, gaming, it just makes sense that it would be integrated. And GameStop is just, it's central to so many people's gaming experiences. I think that's one of the things people are, are excited about is like giving this company some juice to go out and mix it up and be an innovator. I mean, it's basically been, you know, blockbuster video, but for games for a really long time, but that's where people got their games and, and legitimately still do. So I think a lot of the excitement comes from just taking it to the next level. And, and NFT is just a huge part of that. You know, doing some margin trading with uh, GameStop early this year, Ellie. <laughs> Look, I, by the time, I'm not going to lie, I did a little bit and then I did AMC. Nice. And I did Doge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I have to say, following up what you said, Josh, about like it's taking out a life of its own. And we, you know, I think Jeff, you said it's almost become a doubt. What's interesting about this is it feels so foreign, but in a sense, this is sort of the spirit of what a publicly traded company is supposed to be. You know, the people that own it are supposed to feel a sense of ownership of it. They're supposed to want to kind of direct what's going on and feel responsible for it and not just have it be, you know, a stock certificate sitting in a safety deposit box or, you know, even now just sort of like a number on a spreadsheet uh, in their Fidelity account. So I think it's I think it's kind of cool. It's had these undertones of like market manipulation, but I think the really positive side of it along with the whole crypto space is people like really actually getting engaged with their investments. I think that's really fun and exciting. Totally. So that's been, been a lot. We got a couple other topics here to cover. So I'll move on to the next one. DraftKings shares plans for the launch of NFT collectibles marketplace. Okay. This sounds like a no brainer. DraftKings is charging into the NFT game, announcing a market space aimed at curating sports and entertainment themed digital collectibles for its audience of enthusiasts platform is debuting later this summer and showcases another potentially lucrative expansion for the fantasy sports betting company. So I guess the question here is just uh, these things, uh, like I said, are maybe a no brainer, but are they going to do it? Are they going to do it right? There's a lot of pressure there to follow up on the success of things like Top Shots. Well, DraftKings also has a strategic partnership with Autograph. And um, you guys know I like Autograph because Tom Brady is part of that company. But also Sam from FTX. Each time we mention Tom Brady, it's like putting a weight, a small weight on a balance. And once it's reached a certain level, then he comes on the show. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's I've, uh, Josh's I've, approach. I've hit up all the autograph peeps on LinkedIn. It's just a matter of time before one of them listens to the show and realizes that, that this is where they want Tom Brady to speak about their protocol, their platform. And I'm just down the street from Tampa, so he can, you know, he's pretty close if we want to do a live session. Yeah, yeah. 
Let's do it live. We'll catch up with them before or after a game. We'll make it really easy. <laughs> All right. So DraftKings. Fundamentally, I think that the thing that strikes me about this is that they're working with Autograph, plus they're doing their own thing. What sticks in my mind is from the conversation with Animoca is how involved they are with the other NFT gaming sites. I think there's a lot of co-creation going on and a lot of supporting one another and figuring this out, even across platforms. And I wouldn't be surprised. Fantasy sports is, has been um, phenomenally successful. This seems like a natural segue to me. Well, the thing that comes to mind for me is even like higher level than that. And, and that's that like, we're just hearing about DraftKings moving into, but I don't know how long they've been thinking about it. There are a lot of folks that were making moves back in January, February, maybe hastily. And it's a reminder to me that, that some big brands with a large following that have resources at their disposal don't have to use, have some kind of knee-jerk reaction and just release something to try to be first to market or, or quickly to market. And you can take your time. And if you have that brand, if you have those resources, if you have that following already, that built-in community and do something really cool. And I think what they're doing is going to be great. It's a phenomenal fit. They have the market cornered basically. So I can't wait to see. I'm certain that there's going to be some direct tie into their fantasy sports and the rewards and all the fun stuff that comes along with that. So, you know, good work, DraftKings. And I think we'll see a lot of brands over the next year probably start to leverage NFTs as well that we haven't heard from yet. Yeah, interesting sort of related question for Ellie. I mean, DraftKings is already something that's digital, but it's kind of moving into the NFT space. But ostensibly, Ellie, you've been working in like the physical art world for a while and sort of then then there comes this process of turning things into NFTs and attaching NFTs and it opens up whole new realms of possibility in reflect reflecting back on when your life was exclusively in sort of the physical art world, you know, kind of what are some things that jump out to you from that experience that you kind of like, are you noticed now having uh, like looking back about what's different or fair or unfair or exciting or not exciting, whatever, you know, how do you reflect back on that, the life before NFTs? My perspective as an artist, it's overall been better. It is more fair in terms of how things are priced and the value and just being able to make a living, having to really have yourself to rely on is great. Not having to necessarily do a lot of commercial work to make ends meet and actually be able to sustain yourself on your art is like the dream of any artist. And I think a lot of us discovered this year with NFTs exploding that we could actually make that dream a reality. And I still love physical art. I still love having my physical art pieces. It's just another facet of what I do and what I create. But in terms of how it has affected my life, it's tremendously positive for me. Yeah, that's cool. It makes me think of the fact that I deal in pianos, which is a very interesting area because the digital world has in some way eaten a bit of the physical world with pianos because there's these heavy objects, you're responsible, you're responsible for it. you have to tune them, you have to move them around. I can see there's something very interesting here in like, it actually kind of feels like a little bit of an extra commitment when you want to buy a physical piece of an artist. Like, mm -hmm. okay, now I got to take this painting, I got to lug it around, I got to be responsible for it, I got to put it you know, a special frame and have it be secure or whatever. It's interesting now in the digital space, like maybe it is offering people like to feel like a little bit more flexible in order to get involved and support an artist. And actually, like you said, that uh, give more value to them in terms of finance. Let's move on to the next topic here, our, our final discussion, Steve Jobs 1973 job application. 
once again up for auction in physical and NFT form. An entrepreneur is putting the physical and digital versions up for sale at the same time to see which one does better. The form jobs apparently filled out for an unspecified position at an unspecified company, <laughs> seems like way too vague, will be available to buy either as a purportedly authenticated physical good or in digital form as an NFT. First of all, <laughs> I know one of the places that Steve Jobs worked was Atari because we have a connection, the founder of Atari, and it, so that story has been prominent in, in my world. I'm curious, like, was it his application at Atari? I feel like he worked at Xerox or something like that, or somehow was involved with that kind of stuff. What do we think? Would you buy it? Jeff, buy it, not buy it. Josh, buy it, not buy it. <laughs> not buy it for me. My enjoyment from that piece of memorabilia is just seeing, it's just seeing it, you know, and it's out there already. And then and, and seeing the, I think it was that super short one, right? Or it's just a a couple of uh, tidbits on the application. It's just interesting, right? You know, because it, it humanizes somebody that's so revered, like this godlike figure in technology. And it's just a dude with really bad handwriting <laughs> submitting a simple application. You know, so to me, that's where I get the enjoyment from it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We have a, um, a new partner coming into the mix with us in a couple weeks called Koi, K-O-I-I Rocks. And I think this is a great example of something where their platform makes a lot of sense because this is something I want to see and appreciate, but I don't need to own it. And what Koi does is they give whoever mint something Koi in return for the amount of eyes that you get on it. And I kind of like the idea with certain types of these NFTs of awarding attention on them without necessarily needing to, to buy it. If someone really wants to buy it, more power to them. This isn't mine. What do you think? I really like that. I agree because what I was thinking is if I were to purchase this piece, what I would want to do with it, the physical one is I would want to put it in a museum or a place where more people could see it ideally and not have to pay for it. So the concept of, of doing something that is tied to the number of people seeing it seems cool. Well, well, we can introduce you to Koi too. They love to work with artists. You can stay on foundation and you can still use Koi oh, as a second home away from home. That's really cool. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. A couple more details in this I'm just finding interesting to the article. In 2017, this auction offer 18,000, about 2018, 174,000. Just this March for reported 222,000. So it's definitely a piece that's valued by many. And as I look at it, it is kind of fun to read, even though it's short. Uh, it has questions like driver's license? Yes. Access to transportation? Answer, possible, but not probable. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, like skills, computer and calculator. <laughs> He's marked, yes. And uh, put a little parentheses, design and tech. You know, like he, he not only knows how to use those items, but has some design and textile. So it's very interesting how small it is. It's almost like a little bit of an application haiku in that it, it contains a lot of personality. And I can see why people would, would find it fun to own and, and talk about this particular item. You know, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't that employable, <laughs> but it does sort of make you, when you look at resumes, want to sort of not take someone out of the running too, too prematurely. Mm -hmm. You could be interviewing the next Steve Jobs. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. An entrepreneur, I think, would characteristically like put parentheses and little asides and make special comments. 
And that's exactly the reason why you wouldn't hire them. You're like, I just need somebody to do this job, dude. Do not tell me about your skills in calligraphy or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, <Totally>. anyways. <laughs> okay, well, that that's hot topics uh, for today. Some fun stuff. Ellie, thanks for joining the discussion on that. Probably the next thing we just want to, we're going to want to wrap up soon, but make sure that we get to asking you, Ellie, where people can find out more about you online and any other avenues you'd like to let people know about? Yeah, you can find me online on Twitter at Ellie Pritz, just my name, same on Instagram at Ellie Pritz. And then my website is ellieprits.com. You can go there to find out more about what I do. And also you can go there to contact me about any consultation, any sort of cool stuff you want to do. I also want to plug the show which is next week. I don't know when this will be airing, but July 29th at Bright Moments in Venice, California. Brightmoments.io. Check out the art that's going to be on display. And awesome. sign up to uh, get your Crypto Venetian on the waiting list at CryptoVenetians.com. And maybe you could tell us, our listeners a little bit more about the NFT giveaway that you had in store. Like, what are they going to compete to get? Yeah, I'm really excited about the piece. I finished it up last week. So I have a special electric psychedelia NFT, just a really cool trippy NFT that's in my style of analog, like a merger. I create stuff digitally and then I do analog glitching to it extensively and then capture that footage off of an old cathode, cathode ray um, television set. And yeah, so it's a really cool little video loop and I will be giving that away. I'm going to be minting it on the platform Hick at Nunk, which is a great green platform built on Tezos. And I will be giving that away. That's awesome. So if someone doesn't get one of your pieces at the event on Thursday, they have a second shot to own an Ellie Pritz one-of-a-kind NFT. That's right. We'll, we'll share details uh, through our social channels on that. And how about the uh, consultation side? I think we're going to do some uh, giveaway on that front as well. Yeah, same sort of deal. I would call it a creative consultation for anyone out there who is listening and you know, maybe you want to get into NFTs and you, and you don't know how or you've started and you hit some roadblocks or really anything, I would love to help. Ellie, that's Amazing. so awesome. We really appreciate it. And we really appreciate you creating that NFT and giving that to our community. It means a lot to us. Indeed. Yeah. Very special. Very special. Okay. Well, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Want to help co-create Edge of NFT with us? Got guests you want to see on the episode? Questions for our hosts or guests? An NFT you'd like us to review? Drop us a line at contact at edgeofnft.com or tweet at us at edgeofnft to get in the mix. Lastly, be sure to tune in next week for some more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing your time with us today.